Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Renovate. We all love to see a fixer-upper transformed into a dream home, right? So what needs renovation in your life, your family, career, a relationship? In this series, we'll explore the book of Nehemiah to discover God's blueprint for renovating your heart and house. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim. This is Pastor Kyra. Hey, everybody. We are. Let's welcome all our live locations. Everybody at Church Online. Glad you made it today. Hey, I told you we got a big announcement, major update date, and here it is. We are starting our own HGTV show called Renovate. How about that? Isn't that exciting? Very exciting. We're not starting an HGTV show, though I have a feeling you like interior design. I do. In fact, I'm the before. You're the after. <laughs> we're, we're just having some fun. This series, Renovate, is actually based on the Old Testament book of the Bible known as Nehemiah, and we're going to be studying that for the next four weeks. But before we do, Pastor Kyra and I, we just wanted to update you on a major miracle that God did during the pandemic, which is going to result in a couple of new homes for our campuses. Can we hear it for that? Campuses, you're excited? Very excited. We're coming out of the pandemic and God is actually calling us to renovate and rebuild our whole church this summer. Every campus, we're rebuilding our family ministry, our dream teams, rebuilding the health of our whole congregation. And that's what this series, Renovate, is about. How, with God's help, we're going to rebuild our church stronger and healthier than ever before. Amen? Now, you guys know this. When you renovate something, you need a set of blueprints. And the biblical blueprint we're going to use to renovate our church is Nehemiah. Can you say that with me, Nehemiah? Maya, it's the name of an ordinary guy in the Old Testament who undertook really one of the most impossible renovation projects in history. He, he saw the walls of his city just in ruins, dumpy, dilapidated, in disrepair. But with God's help, he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. Say what? I mean, come on. In New Jersey, you can't even get a contractor to return your call in 52 days. <laughs> But guys, Nehemiah, it's actually an amazing story. Like I've been studying it in my own devotional time with Jesus, and we cannot wait to teach it to you this summer. So this morning, before we dig into God's Word, we just want to give you a quick update for each campus. Uh, progress we're making, challenges we're facing, dates we're launching, and then how can you can help us renovate our church together this summer. So which campus should we start with? I think we should start with Essex and Passaic, and we need to tell them about the merger marriage. Oh, yeah, okay. So this is any, make some noise. Essex or Passaic County peeps in the house, can we hear from them? Here's the exciting news. Right before the pandemic hit, we were actually approached by an older congregation in Wayne called Preakness Faith Community. You can see a picture of their beautiful church here. It's on Ratzer Road in, in Wayne, led by Pastor Jane Harlan. Grew in the 60s and 70s, but started declining in the 80s and 90s. And so they reached out to us because they were down to a handful of seniors meeting on Sundays, and they were actually going to have to close the doors of their church they didn't have really a fresh vision from God for their future. And so they actually contacted Liquid. They read your book, Pastor Tim, okay. about merger miracles God performed when he gave us Mountainside and Garwood churches. If you're new, you have to know our first two permanent buildings were donated for free 
to our church. I can't even believe that we get to say that. By older congregations who actually voted to merge ministries and become a campus of liquid so that they could reach the next generation. And guys, this is just really humbling. Understand um, Preakness Faith Community, they have a very rich heritage of proclaiming the name of Jesus faithfully in Passaic County. And over the decades, they really laid a foundation of Bible teaching and sharing the gospel with their neighbors. So understand, they didn't come to us because liquid's younger or cooler, but because Pastor James and those senior saints, they had a vision to really reach their, not just their kids, but their kids' kids, their grandchildren for Christ. And so here's the amazing news. Uh, our brothers and sisters at Preakness voted to donate their one and a half million dollar building, 12,000 square feet, parking, missing, all of that to liquid. Is that incredible? Give God some praise. We are relocating our Essex County congregation to their new home in Wayne this fall. And Pastor Jim Gottschall is actually serving as the campus pastor of Liquid Passaic County, and we wanted him to tell you all about it. Hey, what's up, Liquid Church fam? I have incredible news. God performed a merger miracle in the middle of a pandemic. Over a year ago, Preakness Faith Community Church, right here in Wayne, New Jersey, contacted us because they were about to close their doors, but they felt God leading them to donate their church building, parking lot, and property to Liquid. And this is a beautiful 12,000 square foot building right here on Ratzer Road in Wayne. Here's the big news. In 2021, our Essex County campus will be relocating to this permanent home in Passaic County. Isn't that incredible? Even when we can't see it, God is working. Preakness Faith Community Church has a rich history. The church actually started in 1955 with a small group of couples meeting as a congregation. And then in 1972, the growing church built this facility in Wayne. And Pastor Jane Harlan, who led her church through this merger, has faithfully and lovingly served here for 48 years. My new dream for Preakness is to continue to be a beacon of light here at 1441 for Jesus Christ. And it's my hope for the generations to come that they really get to see and know Jesus and that Jesus is part of every, every aspect of their life, every day. This merger doesn't erase the identity or heritage of Preakness. Rather, it's resurrecting the dream of the original founders and injecting the community with fresh hope for the future. We envision a day when Preakness is thriving with young families once again. This summer, Liquid has plans to refresh and revitalize the building and grounds. The goal is to open the doors of Liquid Passaic County in the fall of 2021. We wanna welcome old friends and new neighbors into our church home. That's the legacy of what I think Preakness is that a child will come to Jesus, adult will come to Jesus. And, and we, we want that. We want this to be for Jesus Christ. And, and we're just thrilled about that. Guys, can we hear for Pastor Jane and the people of Preakness? It's incredible. Those, those senior saints really are my heroes. I mean, think about that, right? Like, you know, that, the sacrifice that's required to open your hands and then hand off they're building a historic ministry to us. I am just like, we are so thankful to you, Preakness, for your love, your faith, your trust in Jesus and us. And I want to catch you this, guys. Don't, don't miss this. Even in a pandemic, Jesus Christ never stops working to rebuild his church. Amen? Never. I want to share a verse with you, actually, out of Nehemiah. This, this kind of, for me, sums up this kind of vision of renewal. When Nehemiah sees the walls of Jerusalem broken down, he actually calls God's people together in chapter 2, and he says this. He says, Come, let us, what's the word, rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, 
Instead, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me. Guys, God's gracious hand has been in our church, amen? And what the king had said to me, I want, I want you to listen to what the people said. Let, let's read these words together, church. Here we go, ready? They replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Guys, with God's help, we're going to rebuild, we're going to renovate, we're going to restore, renew, resurrect, whatever you want to call it, Preakness Faith Community this summer, amen? And we need your help because their church was dying. There was a lot of delayed maintenance, so we're hosting a work day in Wayne on Saturday, June 19th from 9 a.m. to noon. Wear, wear your heart hat, okay? This is, this is a, a family-friendly, actually, work day, so it's all ages stage. You can bring your kids and actually bring your gardening gloves because we're going to be doing a lot of outdoor stuff to beautify the building, pruning bushes, weeding, mulching, cutting grass, power washing, the whole, the whole shebang. But if you can help renovate our new church home in Wayne, man, we'd love to have you. And here's the deal, if you're new, this is an all-church event. Like, it doesn't matter if your campus is in Mountainside or Morris. We're one church, so let's come together. Mark your calendar June 19th from 9 to noon. And you can come for an hour or stay for all three. Just let us know how many people are coming because we have, we have enough food in, uh, on hand to fuel the troops. But who's ready, ready to renovate Passaic County for Christ? Is it going to do that all right? Now you're probably wondering, well, what about the other campuses? When are they going to reopen? Where are they meeting? So we want to give you the rundown, starting with Morris County. In fact, I need my hard hat because we're doing construction here. Actually, you hold it. <laughs> I don't need a helmet. I got, I got, I got a natural helmet here. But guys, here at our broadcast campus in Parsippany, you've probably noticed we have some major construction going on outside. And that's because we're expanding our parking lot, okay? We're almost doubling its capacity because we want to make more room for your friends and family this fall. And I've got good news. Our construction is right on schedule for completion. <laughs> Let's hear it. But we'll have freshly paved uh, with new landscaping for September. We're actually creating a special entrance in the front of our building for our special needs families, which is incredible. And we're also remodeling our clean water cafe. You remember that? We had to put it on pause because of the pandemic, but I'm here to tell you today, cafe construction is actually going to be completed this summer. Now, we're, we're highlighting this, guys, because if your campus is like currently closed, we're actually making more room for you to worship live here in Parsippany, and we have a lot of room, so make yourself at home, and then mark your calendar, because two weeks from today, Middlesex County is relaunching on June 20th. They're going to reopen their doors at Somerset High School. Yeah, let's hear it from Middlesex County. And parents, we got good news for you too. On June 27th, the week after, full liquid family ministry. So I'm, I'm really excited for Pastor Ernie and his team. And, and that's June. So a lot happening in June. How about July? Kyle? Yes. Well, as you know, guys, our Mountainside campus is currently open. And parents, we have good news for you too. We are opening fully liquid family ministry on July 11th. So can we hear an amen for that? <laughs> We're going to be back to all ages and stages, and then all roads lead to Garwood, which is relaunching on August 8th with also full liquid family too. So there's actually lots of lo to look forward to in Union County. We do. Now in Monmouth County, I have to say we have loved meeting in Ocean Grove, but they have scheduling conflicts for this summer. And so this weekend, this Sunday is actually our last Sunday in Ocean Grove. 
Now our former school is not available, so we're actually inviting our shore peeps to spend the summer with us in Sayreville as we wait on God's provision of a new location to relaunch Monmouth at a future date. Now in the meantime, Pastor Chris Capio is actually going to be leading the charge in relaunching Liquid Somerset County, where my Somerset peeps at, <laughs> on August 1st. guys. Somerset School District isn't still allowing churches yeah. back in their buildings yet. So what we're doing is we are very close to securing a wonderful new location at the Doubletree Hotel. It's I mean, great. it is beautiful, yeah, Tim. Very, very nice. Beautiful ballroom, breakout rooms for kids. Come on, we got Starbucks in the lobby. Anybody excited about that? <laughs> we're very excited for a fresh Somerset relaunch on August 1st, new location, new leader, whole new look. I think you guys are going to love it. That, that is a lot of info. Did we leave anybody out? I it's like, so. holy moly. <laughs> guys, I know it's a lot, but we just wanted to update you on the latest dates and details as we reopen our church this summer. And please be praying, would you? Because there's still lots of details for us to work out. And I want to thank you uh, just for your patience and your passion. Um, and can I just say, like, as your pastor, during this pandemic, I am, I'm just so proud of you. I am so proud of this church family. You have never stopped serving. You have never stopped giving, feeding the hungry, reaching our neighbors with the love of Christ. And we believe the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. We really do. Can we thank Pastor Kyra and her team for helping coordinate all these campus reopenings? Holy moly. And remember, you can get all this info, by the way, on the homecoming hub on our website. All right? If you're like, I didn't get all that down, just go to liquidchurch.com homecoming all the campus dates, details. Remember, there's all these events, pop-up parties, worship nights, outreaches. You go online, get involved. Now, later in the series, by the way, I may have another permanent location to announce, but I'm going to save that surprise for next week or the week after the week after that. So you got to come back to the series, okay? So <laughs> let's do this. Let's open our Bibles right now to the book of Nehemiah. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. It's a name of a guy in the Old Testament. And here's the deal. He was just an ordinary Joe. He wasn't a, a king, wasn't a prophet, priest, just an ordinary dude who undertook one of the most extraordinary renovation projects in history. Now, let me just quick show of hands all our campuses. Anybody here like home renovation shows? Uh, shows like Love It or List It, Flip or Flop, Property Brothers, all the ladies. I love the Property Brothers. They're so fun to watch. There's, there's something pretty magical. I, I admit, like Colleen watches a lot of these shows about kind of seeing this old beaten down house transformed into, you know, an elegant dream home. When you get that like before, after, uh, she likes love it or list it and how they demo the walls, they design a dime. And then you see this like this dark hole in the wall is now this like sparkling white, you know, modern kitchen. That's like kind of magic of renovation, right? It's transforming a mess into a miracle. Well, Nehemiah received word that his hometown of Jerusalem was broken down. Uh, the walls actually had fallen in, the gates were burned with fire, and it broke his heart. Um, but he didn't cry about it. With God's help, he performed a real fixer-upper. He renovated the city of God for the people of God in 52 days. And so this is a spiritual renovation story. And here's the series I want to hold before you. I want to ask you this question. You keep it right now. You ready? Open your heart to this. My question is this. What's broken in your world that breaks your heart? Because we all got like a fixer-upper in life, right? In somewhere, like so, something that's maybe falling apart in your world that needs a little TLC. Uh, maybe it's a relationship that needs uh, renovation. Maybe your marriage could use a makeover. <laughs> or maybe your finances are falling apart in the pandemic. And it's like, you, I got to get out of debt and rebuild your bank account or, or rebuild your career, your health. Maybe you've let diet and exercise go and you're like, I got to get the walls back up this summer. 
I'm talking real life, not reality TV, because in this church, there are people at every campus listening right now who are facing real life rebuilds. Let me give you a quick example. I'm thinking of a widow at one of our campuses is talking with, and of all the things she imagined for herself, she never dreamed at this point she'd be living alone in life. Her husband actually had a heart attack at 58, and now she's alone, and her house is really, really quiet. She's got friends, but a lot of her friends have been their friends, right? And now she's navigating this new reality of life after his death. It's just confusing. She's like, has all these questions like, do I, do I stay where I live or do I sell the house? Do I, do I stay single or do I date? I'm not even sure how, I know how to date. She's married 32 years. I mean, she's, she's smart, she's strong, she's capable. And now she's alone, rebuilding a life after his passing, party of one. And she feels a little lost about where to start. There's, there's no blueprint for that, is there? See, in a broken world where things don't go as planned, every one of us at some point will experience at least one moment in life where you find yourself rebuilding. Maybe it's rebuilding your relationship with God that kind of fell apart during the last 14 months. Maybe it's rebuilding your family or your career, and you, and you wonder, well, well, how do I start? Where, where do I even begin? Enter Nehemiah. This is a spiritual blueprint that God gives for renovating our heart and our home. So let's read this together, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. Father, would you now speak to us through your word with precision guidance, Father God. Let your word go straight to our heart and encourage those who are hurting and looking for guidance. Amen. Okay, here's what it says. It says, the words, and there's going to be some strange names, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Now, Hakaliah is the brother of Hakalugi, okay? So if you're taking notes there, don't get the other thrown by these weirdo names, okay? It says this, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Now let me pause here and give you a little Hebrew history. Two words for you to understand the backstory. The first word is ruin, and the second word is return. Can you say ruin? And return. What we're reading was written around 445 BC, so it's about 400 years before the birth of Jesus. And at this moment, Jerusalem, the capital city of God's people, is in ruins. Why? Because in 580C, a guy named Nebuchadnezzar, does anybody remember him from Daniel Dilemma? Him and the Babylonian army attacked Jerusalem and burned it to the ground. So God's people, the Jews, they turn from God, they're worshiping idols, and the judgment is severe. And so God allows the Babylonians to ransack the sea. They take God's people away in chains as prisoners of war back to Babylon. Again, you remember the Daniel Dilemma. Most of the Jews were deported to Babylon, exiled in captivity. Well, fast forward 50 years and watch this. Another king, Cyrus the Great, conquers Babylon. He also has a pretty good beard game. He ruled over Persia. That's who we're talking about here, modern-day Iran. And King Cyrus had a different policy. He says, you know what? I'm going to let some of the Jews return home. They can journey back to Jerusalem. Now, not a lot of families make the trip. Remember, this is 50 years after the exile. By this point, most Jews had settled in. They had homes in Babylon. Their kids went to school there. And so a small group of Israelites returned called the remnant. Why do you call them a remnant? It's like a carpet remnant. It's like this little leftover piece at the end. And when they arrive, they're like, look at this place. Jerusalem is in ruins, totally gutted. And Nehemiah, who's living in Persia, asks his brother, hey, how's it going? What, what, what's the word from back home? 
Verse 2, I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is what? It's broken down. And its gates have been what? Burned with fire. Translation, it's a train wreck, Nehemiah. Jerusalem's a disaster, man. The walls are broken down. The gates are broken. Bro, it ain't a fixer-upper. It's a down-and-outer. It's a gumster fire. So God's people are exposed. Understand, in the ancient world, if your city didn't have gates, that meant the enemy could walk right in and abuse you or enslave you again. So they're unprotected. The temple is in tatters. Their, their church is falling apart. The homes are falling apart. They're, they're humiliated. And Israel's our enemies are mocking them like, so this is how your mighty God lets his people live? In this broke-down city with homes falling apart? You guys are pathetic. Israel's God is pathetic. And what's interesting to me is Nehemiah's response in verse 4. When I heard these things, say it together, church, I what? I sat down and wept. What do you do when someone you love, you find out their world is falling apart? What do you do when you discover your son or daughter is binge drinking? Or they're addicted to weed? Or you learn your close friends, you know that cute couple, they're just like, what? They're getting divorced? I had no idea. Part of their world is, is imploding and the walls are crashing down around them. This is a place. Well, according to Nehemiah, you sit down and you let that grief in. You let their pain touch your heart. Jerusalem's walls are broken, and Nehemiah is brokenhearted. He actually feels their grief deeply in his soul. And if you're taking notes, this is the first step. I'm going to give you a number of steps, like directions in a renovation. The first step in God's blueprint, according to Scripture. If you want to renovate your world, you don't just like, okay, we're going to renovation. Let me grab a hammer and just kind of start swinging. Nehemiah says the first two steps for leaders who want to renovate their broken world, the first thing you got to do is this. Sit down to cry. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah did the same thing Jesus did when he saw Jerusalem. And he was overcome with emotion. He said, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. No one to protect or care for them. You know Jesus wept over Jerusalem? Weeping is different than crying, right? There's a difference. Like, you know, crying is like, you know, boo-hoo. Weeping is like that, like that ugly cry. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're a lady, like, like ugly cry. It's like makeup's coming down, mascara, the snot's coming out. You're like, you're, you're like, you can't even speak or stand. And Nehemiah is so overcome with emotion on behalf of hurting people that he sat down and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed, not for himself, but for the people he loved. So I want to ask you again, what's broken in our world that breaks your heart? Maybe it's intensely personal. I remember praying after a service for a woman who said to me, Pastor Tim, oh, this is hard to say, she couldn't even get the words out. She said, my son, my son is being destroyed by opioids. And she's like blinking black tears. And I was like, it's okay, you can cry. She goes, no. She goes, I'm sorry, I just, if I let the reality of that sink in, I will fall apart. She said, I will collapse right here on the floor in the fetal position. Can you just pray? It was breaking her heart. 
If you have a child who's, who's turning away from God or, or if, if your, your marriage is broken down, the first step is not, hey, wallpaper over it and come to church. The first step to renovating your world is to actually face reality. You have to actually sit down to cry like Nehemiah did. It's not, it's not about pushing the pain away. God's saying, can I expand your soul and actually let the grief touch your heart? Understand, Nehemiah was not a weak or a wimpy man. Nehemiah is a strong man. He is a courageous leader. But for him, his broken heart was the catalyst for renovating his broken world. See, emotion is powerful. It's scary to some people, but, but when you aim it at the right thing, at writing something that's wrong. Give me an example. Some of you listen to Dave Ramsey. You guys know Dave Ramsey, financial guy on radio, right? Helps families get out of debt, stay on budget. I've heard Dave Ramsey say before, if you want to get out of debt, he's from Tennessee, if you want to get out of debt, first thing you got to do is you got to get good and angry, good and angry. <laughs> Basically, Ramsey says, before people make the decision to get out of debt, they first got to get pissed. <laughs> Because the gravitational pull of apathy, not doing anything, it's so powerful, right? You just kind of limp along, limp along, build a bill and ignore the pain. But he says, then comes this tipping point where someone gets so fed up, they're like, this is crazy. We're not living like this anymore. And all of a sudden you start to change your habits. <laughs> Suddenly you stop going out to eat all the time. You start selling stuff in the house. It's like anything that's not nailed down, man, sell it. The dog like starts getting nervous, like what is happening here? The tax refund comes, listen to me, but instead of using it for your vacation, you actually save it and use it to pay off one of your bills. And Ramsey says the emotional clarity of that moment, this tipping point, where something breaks and the brokenness of your heart catalyzes you to make a radical change. Those of you who struggle with alcohol, this is the second DUI. You know what I'm talking about? The first one was embarrassing, it was expensive, but it wasn't enough to change. But the second one is the wake-up call that changes everything. Driving privileges, work routines, this is a gift from God. Because sometimes God allows something highly disruptive to wake us up from our apathy. And in your brokenness, you cry out, you say, I'm sick of living like this. And you finally muster the courage to go to that church on a Monday night and you walk down that basement and there's a circle of chairs and it's a little bit awkward, but you actually sit down and you admit through tears, my name's Tim and, and I think I'm an alcoholic. And that's my past. But, but God help me, it will not be my future. And this is the first step to renovating your world and the rest of your life. So I just want to encourage you today, if you walked in to this church and you're at a point of absolute brokenness, something's falling apart in your world, you don't know what to do next, God brought you here for this moment. He can use that brokenness as the launching pad for true and lasting change. There is hope for you. Make some noise if you believe in hope in Jesus Christ. Do you know what the name Nehemiah means? It translates to the Lord comforts. So let me ask you again, what's broken in our world that breaks your heart? And maybe God's calling you to renovate or repair or rebuild. In fact, let me just, let me broaden this a minute from the personal, because some of you are like, man, I don't know, I have a lot in my world. Things are actually going pretty good. Let me move from personal to global. Think about the world around you. Think globally for a moment. As you look at our broken world, the poverty, the injustice, what, what's broken in the broader world that breaks your heart? You know, I asked that question on social media. I actually just checked it up on my Facebook, took a little survey. Thank you for those of you who helped me with my sermons. <laughs> just to say, what would you answer? And the answers were like, people were like, um, child abuse. 
Bullying breaks my heart. Someone said, I was so bullied, I feel so deeply, Tim, for kids who go through that in school. Broken families, neglected kids, children growing up without their dads. Breaks my heart, I want to do something about that. Some people said um, human trafficking. Like it's mind-boggling that there's sexual slavery and this evil that needs to be eradicated from our world. Others said, you know, people without clean water, uh, the opioid epidemic, teen suicide, depression. Others said, what's broken? How about our country? America's like so broken right now. Our government is just broken and backwards, it seems. I want to encourage you. Because if God placed a burden on your heart, I want to encourage you to open your heart and let it in because that's where the Holy Spirit dwells. In your heart. Nehemiah lived in Persia. He was a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. If you look at verse 11, he's actually the cupbearer. It just means he was a butler for a king. So he's living in a castle. And you know what would have been easy for him to do? For him to shake his head and go, oh man, the Jews back in... Sucks to be them. <laughs> Sad to hear. Praying for you. He could have let his life of luxury and privilege say, I'm going to pray for those people. Maybe, maybe I'll even write a check. Hopefully, I'll pray somebody does something about that. But Nehemiah sat down. He said, God, somebody has to do something about this. And it might as well be me. He saw people in pain. He said, God, I have a, a burden, and I want you to turn my burden into your blessing." That's the second step he takes after he sits down to cry. Did you see this? He kneels down to pray. I love this. Verses 4 through 6, it says this. For some days I, I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, here's his prayer. I love how many of my prayers. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to this prayer that your servant's praying before you. How long? Day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Guys, Nehemiah is not a contractor. He's a man of committed prayer. I want you to think of it this way. Who are the people, who are the men and women that God uses? He uses those who have a tender heart and tough knees. <laughs> People who ain't too proud to get on their knees and actually say, I'm going to pray and storm the gates of heaven because my gates are burned down. Now, this prayer in chapter 1 is incredible. It's the first of 12 different prayers we're going to see Nehemiah pray as he rebuilds the broken walls of his world. So understand, you may have some walls that have fallen down and maybe you have some burdens that are big. And you're like, look, you just look at this thing and you're like, what, what can I do? about? I'm just one little person. I'm one little family. What can we do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can pray. You can pray day and night and call upon your Father in heaven. Nehemiah mourned and he fasted and he prayed and he reminded God who he is. He's like, you are this great, sovereign, all-loving, powerful, compassionate God. Open your ears and your eyes to what I'm asking. He invites God into his mess. And this is critical. Friends, you will never change your world if you don't lay hold of God's power in prayer. The strongest leaders fight from their knees. They are praying leaders. And this is the most neglected step. At least it is for me. I, I prefer action. Let's go get them. Ready, fire, aim. Makes me think of Bob Pierce. You guys know Bob Pierce? He was the founder of World Vision. There's a picture of him, a businessman in the 50s. World Vision is 
global charity sponsors children around the world, and he was traveling through China when a woman put a battered and abandoned baby in his arms and said, what are you going to do about her? And Pierce put his hand to his pocket. All he had was a $5 bill. He said, I'm going to give you this $5, but mark this, I'm going to send you $5 every month to help care for that baby till she gets older. And so he did. $5 this month, $5 the next month, $5 the next month. And God broke his heart for children in poverty. And so in 1950, he founded the organization known as World Vision, which now sponsors millions of children every month living in poverty, giving them food, health care, clean water, education. And they now have a revenue of $2.8 billion <laughs> sponsoring children. Why? Because some ordinary Joe Schmo prayed a dangerous prayer. Bob Pierce prayed, Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. And God lit a fire in Bob Pierce, and he poured gas on that burden and blessed the world through him. Young people, millennials, Gen Z, you want to be a world changer for Christ? I dare you to pray that prayer for 52 days. God, break my heart with what breaks yours. You have a burden, young people. I know you're the justice generation. Don't ignore it. What is it? Racial injustice? Is it the homeless crisis? Is it immigration? Is it, is it inequality? Don't complain. Man, somebody ought to do something about that. You know why they're not doing something about it? Because God chose you. God gave that burden to you. And if you will fall on your knees and open your heart to God, he'll turn that misery into powerful ministry. That's how prayer works. You bring your biggest burden to God, and he will turn it into your biggest blessing to others. Listen, I understand if you got a broken marriage, you got a broken family, you got a broken dream, your burden may be big, but I want to teach you some new math. God plus you equals a majority every single time. People will tell you it can't be done. Oh, you'll never get out of debt, man. You'll never kick that addiction. You'll never fix that marriage. God plus you always equals a majority. And that's why you kneel down to pray. This is a posture of humility. Nehemiah is like, this project's too big. And he prays his humble prayer. Look at verse 6. I confess, he starts with confession, the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly towards you. Ain't nobody use the word wicked anymore. We got to start using the word wicked. I've been wicked this weekend. <laughs> this is a prayer of confession, isn't it? And did you notice something? God showed me something this week. Nehemiah includes himself in it. He, he says, I confess the sins that we have committed, including me and my family. Think about that. He's a world away, but he owns his part in the collective brokenness. See, some brokenness in life, people are like, well, why do things happen like this? Some is random. It's not your fault, right? You're just driving along and someone runs a red light and boom, T-bones your car. And now you have a shattered hip. It's random. It's not your fault. But some brokenness is our fault. Maybe you were the one texting and driving. You, you, you made a bad choice or poor decision, and now there's consequences. And some brokenness in life is a combo platter, <laughs> right? Like if you're digging out of debt, you're like, man, my company downsized the pandemic. That wasn't my fault, but I did overspend for a bunch of years. <laughs> I ran up my credit cards and contributed to the financial hole I'm in. It's a combo platter. It doesn't matter what it is. It all requires confession. We own our part in the mess, and we come clean, and we repent. 
Why is this a critical step? Because the Bible says God opposes the proud. But who's he give grace to? The humble. You want God against you or you want God for you? That's why Nehemiah kneels down to pray. Listen to this prayer. He says, God, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I'm going to scatter you among the nations. That's what happened. But if you what? Say it together, church. Return to me. Your heart to my heart. You obey my commands. Then even your exiled people at the farthest horizon, I'm going to gather them from there and I'm going to bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. And he says this, he says, they're your servants, Lord. They're your people whom you redeem. There's always a second chance. How? how? By my great strength. No, by your great strength in your mighty hand. So Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Now that's a prayer. <laughs> that's a prayer, guys. Uh, we... I don't know how long Nehemiah prayed on his knees. (laughs) The Bible says day and night for some days. But I know this. When Nehemiah stood up, he had the power of God behind him. And you're going to see next week, renovating his city's walls, something that should have taken years, maybe decades, some say, took Nehemiah 52 days. To an ordinary, humble Joe, God restored and rebuilt an entire nation. I don't want you ever to forget, beloved, when you pray big prayers, you are tipping the odds in heaven's favor. So to close, I just want to ask you what's broken in your world that breaks your heart? Because that's a burden God gave you. And I want to let you know that today we want to pray with you as a church. That's what I felt God saying as we're opening the doors to our church, the masks are coming off. I'm like, we are opening the altars this weekend for prayer. For people to come forward. I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come forward at all of our live locations. Or if you're online, you can type your prayer request in the chat. And we're going to pray today. We're going to pray bold prayers, confessional prayers, prayers that are specific to your request. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe a a, a troubled child. Maybe somebody you love is lost. Maybe it's a global burden. You're like, I've just felt this watching through this pandemic, the racial injustice, I want to do something. Maybe it's unborn children, or you want to help the home. Say, I don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. Listen to me. Here's where you start, right here. With the rest of God's people praying together, that's where the good work begins. Now, can I tell you about the power of prayer and what's about to happen when you come forward to pray with these teams? I just want to warn you. (laughs) Man, you pour your heart to God, he moves. I want to share a praise report somebody uh, sent me. I have it here. Uh, let me get this from my Bible. I wrote this down in index card. It's pretty cool. Just look at it. Actually, uh, thanks. You guys put it up on the screen. I'll just read it from there. It says this. Um, I just want to thank you. On March 4th, I submitted a prayer request for my brother Don, who suffered a massive heart attack and was in a minimally conscious state due to lack of oxygen to his brain. That night, I received a phone call from one of your intercessory prayer warriors, one of you on the prayer team. You prayed them. And she took the time to pray with me that my brother would wake up from the state. On April 13th, he began saying his first words and became more alert and focused. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God that prayer still moves the heart of God. Amen. That's, are you facing a health crisis today? I just want to, I came to tell you, Jesus has power to heal you. 
Here's a second one. Listen to this. Dear prayer team, I praise God for your ministry and service to our precious Lord Jesus. I requested prayer for my husband who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in March. He's been going through chemo, and last week we were encouraged to hear the tumors are shrinking. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Pam, Sandra, prayer team, for your beautiful prayers, which I printed out and are a blessing to us. Guys, don't miss this. She printed out the prayers from our church online prayer team, and she kept them close to her heart during these past few months. Guys, we don't hear every praise report. The Bible says only one out of ten lepers who Jesus healed came back to thank him. But when God answers prayer, you got to give him a praise because he's good, and he's that loving, and he's that powerful, and there ain't nothing he can do. So what's God going to change in your world in the next 52 days? Don't you carry that burden alone. Your church is here to help. So when I close right now in this prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward to pray with our prayer teams. Whatever broken situation you're facing, I want you to invite God into that mess. And you just watch. You watch him turn your mess into a miracle of his grace. Amen? Let's pray right now. I want to pray a prayer. I just felt like I should pray a prayer of confession over us. Everyone put your hands out. Let's just humble ourselves before God. God, we are wicked. I don't know how else to say it, God. These last 14 months, Lord, some of us have stayed silent where we should have spoken up. And some of us said too much when you want us to be silent and lament. And God, we care more about politics than prayer. And you're called us back to your heart. And so I confess, Lord, I confess just in my own heart, but I confess on behalf of your people and this, this family, God, forgive us. We are idolatrous, God. We just don't. Lord, light a fire. I pray even now for the appetite to pray, to be in your presence with other brothers and sisters, God. There's nothing we want more than your presence. And so, God, as we come forward for prayer, all the things we're going to lay out before you to rebuild. You said, unless the Lord builds the house, it's all in vain. So, God, we just say we have nothing except contrite and humble hearts. Forgive us for our sins, known sins that we've committed, things, Lord, we just have neglected to do. Purify us and light a new fire. Let us feel the warmth, Lord, of cleansing and confession and renewal, I pray. And if Holy Spirit, we ask right now, we summon the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is here. You said, Jesus, where two or three gather in your name, you're there in the center of us, ready to act, ready to love, to heal, to to restore and give fresh hope. So as your people come forward now, Lord, we just invite you into our fight. I ask you to light a spark for these 52 days. As we rebuild your church, these campuses, we are pleading for our need. Liquid needs fresh fire. We need fresh grace, fresh power to fall on our church. So do more than we can ask or imagine in your power that's at work within us. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said together, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.